I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The FT. Welcome back to Energy Weekly with me, Sylvia Pfeiffer. We're mostly in the UK for this week's show. First to shale gas and estimates from Quadrilla Resources that its licence area holds enough gas to supply the UK for the next 56 years, in theory. Up to now, we've had estimates for the amount of shale gas that the UK may have. The British Geological Survey have come up with a figure. But this is the first figure that's actually based on a real drilling campaign because they've conducted three exploration wells so far. So this is the hardest, most authoritative number we've yet had. Then we ask... Who will pay for the £200 billion needed to upgrade Britain's ageing energy infrastructure? I think it's very clear that the government haven't got to grips with the fact that £200 billion will have to be paid for ultimately by consumers through higher bills. And the question will be, who will the public blame for those higher bills? Will they blame the energy companies or will they blame the politicians for having this enormous ambition to spend £200 billion in the first place? And judging from all the political signals we're getting at the moment, the politicians will do their utmost to deflect the blame and blame the energy companies instead. And then on to onshore oil and gas production, what are the prospects? For the independents, there's an opportunity to make good returns on relatively small assets in addition to buying technological teams and looking for new onshore oil finds. And finally, this week, we end in France with Total, the French oil major, and expectations ahead of its investor day next week. Total's ramped up exploration expenditure to around uh, $2 billion. It's seen how companies have been successful in frontier exploration and has entered some of those areas such as Uganda, uh, following on from, from Tullo's success over there, and wants to join the bandwagon. Let's start the show with shale gas. Joining me in the studio is FT Energy correspondent David Blair. Now, David, Quadrilla Resources has just announced some very interesting figures. I just wondered if you could tell us what the news is today. The essential fact is that Quadrilla think that the licence area in the northwest of England that they've been drilling has 5.66 trillion cubic metres of shale gas. Up to now, we've had estimates for the amount of shale gas that the UK may have. The British Geological Survey have come up with a figure. But this is the first figure that's actually based on a real drilling campaign because they've conducted three exploration wells so far. So this is the hardest, most authoritative number we've yet had. Their estimate is quite interesting if they're saying that the amount of gas in place could supply the UK with enough gas for the next 56 years. Does that mean all our energy problems are over? Not quite. There may be enough gas somewhere beneath Lancashire to supply Britain for 56 years, but only a fraction of that would ever be recovered. Now, Quadrilla declined today to give an estimate for the recoverability rate that they expect from that particular shale resource. Experience from the US suggests that the recoverability is somewhere between 10 and 20%. So even if we take the lowest estimate, let's say it's 10%, and of course, this is only a guess at the moment, but if we say 10%, and there's enough gas there to supply Britain for five and a bit years, 
That's still quite a significant discovery. It won't be a complete game changer, but it is important. And it's also worth bearing in mind that the shale rock formation we're talking about here is one of four similar ones in Britain. So if one of those can supply Britain for five and a bit years and there's three more still to go, then you add them all together and you get something that could be a very significant resource indeed. So what does Quidditch do next? Their next step is they have to firm up exactly how much of this gas will indeed be recoverable. So they will drill between four and six more exploration wells by next summer. And then at the conclusion of that phase of the drilling campaign, they'll announce uh, an authoritative figure for how much gas they think they can actually extract. Based upon that, they will then take a decision on whether they want to produce or not. The indications are that they will want to produce. So then the matter will go to the government and the government will have to decide whether to give them permission to proceed and to produce. Quadrilla are confident that they can overcome environmental objections. And something to bear in mind is that they're talking at the moment of having perhaps nine production wells. These wells themselves, the drilling rigs themselves, which I've seen, are actually much smaller and less intrusive than you might think. So nine wells essentially consists of nine fields in Lancashire being put to this purpose. And I can't imagine that nine fields are really going to be missed hugely one way or the other. I may be wrong, but uh, but I suspect residents of Lancashire might value the 5,600 jobs that will be created rather more than the nine cabbage fields that might sadly be lost. On a best case scenario, if they got that permission very quickly and, and all the decisions went in their favour, they could start producing as early as 2013. Thank you. And if I can move you now, David, to our second topic for today and also a related topic, the question which everybody in the industry or the energy industry is asking is £200 billion has been identified as the figure needed to upgrade the country's ageing infrastructure, energy infrastructure by 2020. Given the current economic concerns around the world, that's quite a big figure. Who's going to pay for it all? Well, that is the $64,000 question. The entities that will have primary responsibility for delivering that sum of money will be the big six utilities. Now, of course, it's important to emphasize they will not have sole responsibility. There will be plenty of other players. Uh, But nonetheless, they're going to be the key enablers. And they are all in pretty bad shape at the moment. Two of them in particular, E.ON and RWE, both based in Germany, both with big subsidiaries here in the UK, are in desperate trouble because of Germany's decision to phase out nuclear power by 2022. Both of them announced this year very poor sets of results. In E.ON's case, they made the first quarterly loss in their history. Uh, And their response to that has been very rational. Both E.ON and RWE are cutting capital expenditure. E.ON in particular have set a very ambitious target of reducing their costs by one and a half billion euros every year between now and 2015. RWE are trying to dispose of assets to bring their net debts under control. Uh, So all that makes it extremely hard for them to go about spending the huge sums that they would have to spend to continue operating in Britain, at least under the government's policy as it stands. And what are some of the infrastructure companies saying about this? I mean, do they think there's appetite there from investors to at least contribute towards that sum of $200 billion? Yes. Really, what's going to determine whether anything like the £200 billion gets spent or not is the appetite of outside investors beyond the paddock, if you like, of the big six. So, for example, I spoke to a banker who calculates that of the $55 billion that's supposed to be spent on offshore wind, he thinks that 30 billion could be raised from banks. 
He thinks that 15 billion could come from external equity financing, including Asian investors. And there's already been some Asian investment in UK wind farms. A Japanese company bought a stake in a, in a British wind farm uh, two weeks ago. And then that would leave £10 billion to come from the big six utilities, which is a manageable number, particularly as it would be spread over a period of about a decade. So when you place it in context, you see how it might happen. But nonetheless, the burden is still going to be huge. Just on that point, finally, the burden will also be pretty big on the consumers, won't it? And for the government, it's a bit of a difficult or fine line to tread. On the one hand, they're arguing that this investment is needed. On the other hand, it'll require bills to go up. So how do they sell that particular thing to the public? They don't know the answer to that question. I think it's very clear that the government haven't got to grips with the fact that £200 billion will have to be paid for ultimately by consumers through higher bills. And the question will be, who will the public blame for those higher bills? Will they blame the energy companies or will they blame the politicians for having this enormous ambition to spend £200 billion in the first place? And judging from all the political signals we're getting at the moment, the politicians will do their utmost to deflect the blame and blame the energy companies instead. Uh, But ultimately, the energy companies have the whip hand because if they think that's going to happen, if they think they're going to be set up as the fall guys, they can just decline to provide the investment. Thank you very much, David. Let's keep with the UK and move now to the question of onshore oil and gas production. This week, we heard news of a deal worth $173 million. iGas Energy, the coal bed methane producer, has agreed to buy UK oil onshore producer Star Energy from Malaysia's Petronas. Joining me on the line is Anthony Lobo, partner and head of UK Oil & Gas at KPMG. Anthony, what are the prospects for the market at the moment in the UK? I think it's worth putting it into context. As a whole, the UK produces about 1.6 million barrels of oil a day on both onshore and offshore. And onshore, that makes up less than 1.5% of that. And it's concentrated in a number of fields around Dorset, which is Witch Farm, owned by BP, and the others being effectively in the East Midlands. Now, there's been a bit of takeover activity in the sector in the past 12 months. Um, BP recently agreed to sell its interests in which farm to Perenco, who I think are selling it on to Premier Oil. Is onshore drilling in the UK at least very much something for the smaller companies? It definitely favours the smaller companies because in if you take the majors, the onshore assets make such a small part of their portfolio and the return on capital is so insignificant in terms of uh, their overall portfolio. But for the independents, there's an opportunity to make good returns on relatively small assets in addition to buying technological teams and looking for new onshore oil finds. You'd mentioned um, when we spoke earlier about sort of the technology skills. Why have the independents got these sort of skills needed to develop these sorts of areas rather than the big majors? I think what you're seeing is that when the majors sell out of them, the key to any of the transactions that are happening in the sector is the technological and the reserve skills go across with the smaller independents. And the independents are using those technological skills to maximise any return in terms of the oil and the upside that goes with it. So the, the teams are very key to any transaction in the sector What's the prospect for the onshore oil and gas industry in the UK? I mean, do you see any other geographic regions being opened up? Onshore oil in the UK is a relatively mature market. And if we go back, which farm, I mean, accounts as one field, accounts for nearly 85% of the total onshore production. So it's a relatively mature market. But the upside is potentially 
the opportunity to convert some of these fields into potential gas storage facilities. And that's a side that's been proven with a Humbly Grove asset, which potentially can be used, but potentially there are other fields which have the right characteristics to be used as gas storage facilities going forward. And that gives the independents a greater upside than they currently have with just the oil production. Thank you very much. And to our final topic for today, Total, the French oil major, has announced it is taking a stake in five offshore blocks of the Kenyan coast. The company also has a big investor day coming up in London next Monday. Joining me now is Anish Kapadia, Director and Senior Research Analyst at Tudor Pickering Holt & Co. Anish, is this a one-off deal or is it part of a wider strategy to focus on East Africa by Total? I think it's uh, part of a wider strategy to both focus on East Africa but exploration in general as well. Total's ramped up exploration expenditure to around uh, $2 billion. It's seen how companies have been successful in frontier exploration and has entered some of those areas such as Uganda, uh, following on from from Tullo's success over there, and wants to join join the bandwagon. Um, if you look at its, its wider portfolio, it, as well as getting into to Kenya, it's got into Tanzania also in, in East Africa. It's expanded its position in West Africa, places uh, like, like Gabon, JDZ, and also around the world, increasing its position in places like Kazakhstan, in Asia. One notable area that it got into over the last few years was the, the Guyanas, had a very successful discovery with Tullo recently. It's also geared into the pre-salt plays in West Africa. What sort of time spans are we talking about? I mean, when do you expect any of these moves to sort of pay off in terms of actual production for Total? Something like Zydeus, you, know, you could see production within within five years. It's made a discovery in Azerbaijan, a very large 10 TCF plus gas discovery in Azerbaijan. That might take, take slightly longer to commercialise. But generally, f- from getting into a new asset from the exploration side to first production, you, you're generally looking at probably about seven years. Total's got a big investor day coming up on Monday next week. What do you expect to be the sort of highlights that they might flesh out? And also, what do you expect the sort of challenges that that Christophe de Marjorie, the chief executive, might mention? The stock has been a fairly awful performer over over 2010. Since 2010, it's underperformed the global integrated by about 40 to 60 percent, if you exclude BP. I think one of the issues over there has been uh, production disappointments and also people concerned about returns and rising capex. I think one of the focuses may be that the, the shift away from downstream, the th- selling of the Thepsir stake, closing some refining um, refineries such as the Dunkirk refinery and shifting that capital into the upstream. I think what what you'll see then is them outlining their projects that they've got over over the next few years. Um, you know, we think that it's got one of the most attractive set of projects to come on stream within the global integrated, other than Petrobras, over the next few years. So production growth could uh, surprise expectations to the upside for for next year. We'll be looking out to see what they come out with on Monday. Thanks very much. And that's it for this week. My thanks to guests Anthony Lobo. Anish Kapadia and David Blair. Energy Weekly is produced by LJ Filotrani. Till next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.
planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.